Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the deciding point. Our Crack Rackets weekly roundup of the biggest storylines happening from throughout the tennis world. On this week's show, we had so much action unfold over the past two weeks in Paris. We decided to make a second episode this week. So on this edition, we're going to be talking about the women's singles draw at the 2021 French Open. Again, I'm going to name a combination of five winners and losers from the event. Of course, we're going to touch on Krejcikova. We're going to talk Pavlochenkova, the pathway for Serena Williams to title number 24 and so much more. With that in mind, Westoff, roll the credits. Let's start today's show. Let's talk about 2021 French Open women's singles and doubles champion Barbara Krejcikova. Now, in 2019, Krejcikova was ranked outside the top 100 and, in fact, last September lost matches at three consecutive ITF-level events. She now finds herself as the 18th active player with a Grand Slam women's singles title, becomes the first player since Mary Pierce to win both the singles and doubles French Open titles in the same event. And you look for Krejcikova, it has been a steady ascent for the 25-year-old. She's now 44-16 in in her last 52 weeks of play. The most notable results for her, obviously, this French Open title, which now, by the way, extends her win streak to 12 consecutive matches as she won a title in the week prior to the French Open starting on clay. She also made the final earlier this season in Doha before losing to Petra Kvitova. You got to keep in mind, she was playing slam qualies last year. She now, this season gets into the main draw and she has made the most of those main draw appearances I mentioned again that 44 and 16 title you look for her overall she's played 17 different events she's made the quarterfinals or better now at eight of those 17 semifinals or better at four of those 17 finals in three of them titles in two of them she's three and six versus top 20 opponents two and one excuse me four and six now versus top 20 opponents two and one against top 10 in opponents, 6th in hold percentage, 26th in break percentage, up to a new career high of number 15 in the live rankings. Crazy to think that a player of Barbara Krejcikova's quality, who has made so many quality finals, who has won a couple of titles, is still outside the top 10 after winning a major, but that's where the former world doubles number one player in the world now finds herself ranked in singles and It's a legitimate question to ask now about Barbara Krejcikova. It's one I'm certainly going to have repeatedly on our Crack Rackets podcast. Does she have a Hall of Fame resume? Because she's now a Grand Slam singles champion. She's won multiple doubles titles and been number one in the world. Multiple mixed doubles titles as well. If she wins a gold medal under her belt, how is that not a Hall of Famer? Like She accomplished everything you hope to accomplish as a professional tennis player. She won uh, titles at the highest levels of each form of the sport. And you look for her longevity, I mean, clearly a slow surface is going to help Krejcikova. And those slow courts in the Middle East helped as well because she's got that big forehand backswing. But 
She's a player who can do a little bit of everything. She's comfortable moving forward. The double success is a testament to that. She's comfortable hitting the big serve to different spots, playing the first ball cross-court down the line, hitting to open space because, of course, that's something you have to do so frequently in doubles. She's comfortable playing moon ball tennis as well, being 6 to 12 feet behind the baseline, just scrapping her way into points. And she's got nerves of steels. There's a calmness to her, a routine to her, that a steadiness that you just think is going to be sustainable, that she's going to have success for a while. And she doesn't have the biggest weapons, but she's very good at absorbing pace, at redirecting it, at, again, incorporating variety, the backhand slice, even the forehand slice into her game. And it's been, it's not just one result. The final in Doha was the big one. And you look at her wins over the course of this event. She beats Sakari. She beats Goff. Uh, obviously, those are the two big ones. But she also beats Svitolina. She beats, I believe, Alexandrova as well. Sloane Stevens in that uh, fourth round. And then, honestly, a three-set win for her over Pliskova. In, other Pliskova, Christina, in the first round. This was a well-earned title for Krejcikova. And look, Pavlochenkova, there's no doubt, in a three-set victory for her, by the way, in the final, which we break down on the mini-break podcast. There's no doubt that is the sort of opponent you hope for in your first Grand Slam final, that it's not in Osaka, a Barty, a Halep, an informed Serena. At the same time, we saw her get tested in that third set. She had match points 5-3. Pavlochenkova was able to hold and... Once again, you know, she bounced right back, did Krejcikovan against Sakari. She had the match point overruled on the baseline. She bounced right back to close out the match. Barbara Krejcikova responded in the biggest moments. She's one of four active players to have women's singles, women's doubles, and a mixed doubles title. Anytime you're on the list with two of them being the Williams sisters, you're in very good company. Barbara Krejcikova has joined the ranks of the elites in women's tennis, and it's time to start treating her as such. And I am fascinated to see how her game not only translates to these grass courts, but also how her game translates as a favorite moving forward. Confidence is half the battle in tennis. She's got it in spades now. Barbara Krejcikova, your 2021 French Open women's singles and women's doubles champion. Next, unfortunately, it's time to talk about one of the disappointments from the 2021 French Open, a player we often find ourselves rooting for here at Crack Rackets, and that's Arena Sabalenka, who certainly had the draw she would have wanted in a pathway to a first Grand Slam quarterfinal, a first semifinal, maybe even a first final and title here at the 2021 French Open. And, you know, everyone else was doing it, right? Six first-time quarterfinalists at this event in women's singles. That's an open-era record. Four first-time semifinalists. That's an open-era record. None of those players were named Arena Sabalenka, who is knocked out by, in the third round by eventual finalists Anastasia Pavlov. Chankova, but you look at that scoreline, 4-6, uh, or I should say 6-4, 2-6, 6-6, Pavlochenkova. You just can't get bageled in a third set if you're Rina Sabalenka. And you look for her now, 44-13 and 13 in her last 52. You know all of the titles. You know, you know, 6-6 six and six against top 20 players, 2-3 and three against top 10 players. She is one of those players on the elite list, top 15 in both hold percentage and break percentage. She's It's her, Sviantek, and Garbine Muguruza, who are the three women's players on that list. By the metrics, by the eye test, when she plays her best tennis, there's no denying she belongs in the 
elite category. Yet she's 21 and 18 in her career at the Grand Slams, and that number includes qualifying. But you know she's only made the second, uh, excuse me, the fourth round two times. Australian Open this past season. 2018 U.S. Open, she lost to Osaka, and I know, you know, a losses to Osaka and Serena in those fourth round, they can be written off, but the Pavlochenkova match was winnable, and that draw had opened up for her, in particular, to get through Anaconya round one, and then to see Osaka eliminated by injury, and or by, you know, Osaka's various off-court, uh, uh, you know, she had to withdraw from the event. We don't need to talk about Naomi Osaka here, but for, uh, you know, all of the seeds, Bianca Andreescu gets knocked out first round in her section. Serena never looked comfortable on the clay throughout the course of this event. Things open up for Sabalenka. You look at the bottom half, it was a Zdanzik Pavlachenkova semifinal. It was Bedosa Rabakina as the quarterfinalists. Arena Sabalenka, week in, week out, has been better players than. All of them, you could say, well, what about Bedoza? No, Sabalenka's been better. ELO rating says it. The results say it. She has been an elite player. I mean, 44 and 13 is an elite number. That is a number where if you are 44 and 13, 77% win percentage. I mean, again, she's a top 15 server and returner of serve, and yet... These Grand Slam moments do seem to get to her. She's talked openly about that. And, you know, again, when you play such a power-based game, what is plan B when that game isn't working? If you're misfiring, how do you get through those moments? And it felt like week in, week out, Sabalenka was finding solutions. I mentioned it before. Of those 13 losses, 12 of them are in three sets. So you're always going to have 20 to 30 minutes in these matches where Sabalenka does find herself, find her rhythm, and hits through any opponent. But minimizing the floor and again raising that floor match in match out she she's got to do it particularly at the grand slams because there are so many talented players not just the next geners in osaka andrescu shviantek and kenin but you know the krechikovas of the world the sakaris of the world the Conteves of the world the jen brady's of the world muguruza's they're not going anywhere and Yet you still feel Arena Sabalenka has as much talent, if not more, than any of them. And so this was a missed opportunity for her to get into a second week, to at least find her bearings there, establish herself as a present in, presence in those second weeks. And she's someone to watch in Wimbledon because that power translates everywhere. And I do think there's a hunger to her. I mean, you just look at the results week in, week out. She has delivered the goods. I'm still a believer, but there's no denying it was a disappointing 2021 for uh, French Open for Sabalenka. As you Crack Rackets fans will know, something we love to do on our shows is discuss the many generations of players currently competing on the various tours, talk about how those generations stack up against one another and how that competition shapes the results we see week in, week out on tour. You look right now in the women's game, there has been an emergence of a couple of generations that are certain to shape the next, I would say, decade of WTA tour results now. The obvious generation, the next-gen women's talent. You have a player like Naomi Osaka, who's already won four Grand Slam titles, who's become the highest-grossing women's athlete in professional sports history, who's become the number one player in the world. We know her upside. We know she's not going anywhere. You also have a player like Ashley Barty, Grand Slam champion, still, I believe, turns 25 years old at some point this year, may have happened already. You've got someone like Bianca Andreescu, even younger than that Grand 
Grand Slam champion, Sonia Kennan, Grand Slam champion, Iga Sviantek, Grand Slam champion. You've got talents like Arena Sabalenka as well, Coco Goff certainly on the rise, Marta Kostyuk playing outstanding talent. We know how many looming superstars there are right now in the queue in the women's tennis game, but there's also that you know, you would refer to them as the middle class by age, but there's also that ascending primes right now. Are players currently in the midst of their primes, perhaps hitting their primes this season? The 1995s, the players that are near and dear to my heart as a fellow 95er who have clearly hit the primes of their careers and whose primes I think are a little bit higher than we anticipated as tennis fans. Certainly, it was easy to get lost in the superstardom of the young talents as well as, you know, the older generation of players. Not old, just older comparatively in a Serena Williams, in a Simona Halep, a Petra Kvitova, you know, even a, uh, someone like an Angelique Kerber or, you know, a Vika Azarenka, I suppose a little bit older than them, Madison Keys, Garbine Muguruza, of course, you've got Sloane Stevens, Karolina Pliskova in the mix there, Svitolina, you can name all of these players. There's a long list of talented uh, players uh, just throughout the WTA Tour right now, but you look at the 1995s in particular, who again, turned 26 this year, you would think physically this is when they hit their primes, and then this is the point where they've got a couple years of tour experience, so not only are they physically in their primes, but mentally they understand the grind of the week-in, week-out results, and they understand how to prepare their bodies to peak for the year's biggest events. A lot of talent up and down this 1995 class. Krejcikova, the obvious one who we talked about on a different point to just go through the highlights once again for her, and we have the graphics of Westoff. Put that up on the screen now. We'll start with Krejcikova, who you look on this list, 44-16 and 16 now. This doesn't include her three wins in the quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals. Uh, she's also, again, eight quarterfinals. It's now four semifinals, three finals, two titles in her uh, now eight, I believe, excuse me, 17 total events. She's now 4-6 and six versus top 20 players, 2-1 versus top 10, 6th in hold percentage, 26th in break percentage. That new career live ranking up to number 15. She's obviously a player ascending in her prime, but you look beyond that list. Players we've talked about a lot on our mini break of late. We'll go next to Maria Sakari, who's now uh, you look at these results. Uh, again, this was done before the semifinal round, but 32-14 and 14 overall at that point. That number, obviously, one win higher, also one loss higher. She reached her first, oh, so I did do this before, quarterfinal and semifinal, five WTA-level semifinals, seven quarterfinals in 15 total events, nine and eight versus top 20 players, five and four versus top 10. She's one of just seven players to be in the top 21 in both hold and break percentage. New career high for her inside the top 20 as well. You've got a player like Annette Conte. I'm not going to read them all here. You can see them on the screen, but she solidified herself as a top 30, and in my opinion, higher than that. Top 20, in my opinion, talent. She only loses to players in the top 20. You look closely at her record. It reflects that fact. Elisa Mertens, who was your WTA wins leader in 2020, another player who has had a lot of firsts in her career over the past 12 months and is always in that third, fourth quarterfinal round mix. Now, of course, another one, Jennifer Brady, the last player you throw for sure out there on that list who made a Grand Slam semi final and U.S. Open followed that up with the final in Australia as well. And then there are other names you throw out there, the 95 to 97s, Barty, Osaka, Ostapenko, Keys. 
Benchic, Kudermatova, Kasatkina, Putin, Seva, Saribas, Tormo, Mukic, Vekic, Podoroska, Teichman. Again, it gets uh, those players at the bottom, just players I think are going to be in the top 50 for a long time. But that speaks to the fact that this... You know, this next-gen group on the women's side, the 95s to 97s, they're loaded. And even before you think about a Kennan, a Sviantek, an Andrescu, a Goff, you have to look at these players who are in their primes right now and who are ready to win. Case in point, Krejcikova, who was the right player in the right time this week. Sakari put herself in that position as well. It's not going to surprise me if I see a Mertens or a Conteve do the same. Now, it would surprise me if it was a Cerebas Tormo, but... You know, again, these players have hit their prime. They've been on tour long enough to know what's what. These players are really, really good. And before we get too excited about the next gen of women's talent, let's look at these players in their prime right now. Because again, why are these events so open? Has anyone in this group really solidified themselves as the player to beat? Maybe you say Osaka on hard courts. Outside of that, it does feel like there's always at least five players in the mix. That means it's really, really exciting tennis. Certainly, we saw that unfold at the 2021 French Open. An unequivocal step forward for the next-gen WTA. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. We have to pour one out for 2021 French Open singles finalist Anastasia Pavlchenkova. Let's be honest, Pavs has earned this slam run after 12 to 14 years of just relentless consistency in her WTA Tour results. Now, she's someone who's never cracked the top 10. She's been ranked as high as number 13 in 2011. She's a former world junior number one, two-time junior slam champion as well. Uh, But she's someone who's been in the top 50 since the 2008 season. She's someone who had made, you know, I believe six uh, quarterfinals, maybe seven prior to this 2021 French Open. And who earned her spot again? It wasn't like the draw open and it was, I beat Trevisan, I beat Podoroska, I beat, you know, Teichman to get to the final. No, she beat Sabalenka, Azarenka, Rabakina, an informed Zidancic, and then nearly knocked off Krejcikova in the final. And, you know, again, she injured herself, rolled her ankle a couple of times in her matches. She continued to bounce back. She showed off that relentless, you know, game that translates across surfaces. She's won 58% of her matches in her career. It's 50 percent on hard courts, 58% on clay courts as well. The numbers hold relatively similar, and I do think that forehand can be attacked with overwhelming pace, but it has to be overwhelming pace, because if you leave a ball short, she is going to jump on it. Her ability to absorb and redirect on that backhand wing is immensely impressive. Her ability to make mid-match adjustments, whether it's start taking the ball a little bit earlier, whether it's to start hitting swinging volleys, whether it's to take the return a little bit earlier and just you know focus on depth rather than Uh, precision of where you're hitting the ball. She can just do a little bit of everything. And now she's back inside the top 20 at number 19. And, you know, 18 and 14 overall in her last 52. Like, let's be honest, this run was a little bit unexpected. Now, she did make the semifinals of Madrid, and that was noticeable. But prior to that, you know, she hadn't made a quarterfinal dating back to, I believe, the 2019, uh, 2020, excuse me, Australian Open. And, 
you know, again, she is someone who's played really well at the slams of late. You look in particular this year, she lost to Osaka first round of Australian Open. That's fine. Everyone was losing to Naomi Osaka, but you look for her over the past few seasons, 2020, makes the quarterfinal, loses to Muguruza. 2019, makes the quarterfinal, loses to Collins. She's had runs like this of late. The draw did break open for her in Rabakana, in Zidanzik, in those quarterfinals and semifinal rounds. And guess what? She took advantage of it. She ultimately ends up in her first Grand Slam final. And look, do I think she's going to win a Grand Slam in her career? I don't. I think there are too many players with higher ceilings in a singular match than Anastasia Pavlchenkova. But we talk about her floor and the floor of these players and what you do when things aren't going against you, when the tide has turned and when, again, you're not playing your best tennis. She's a player who can find a lot of different adjustments and she's a player who just stays so steady throughout the course of a match, which is not something you've said very early in her career, but it's something you absolutely say now. Just so relentless and so great to see her make this run to the final. So great to see her back in the top 20. And again, 29 years old now. She's not going to have to worry about what events she's playing, what she's going to get into, where she can get into whatever she wants. She can play whatever she wants the rest of the year. She's earned that right. First Grand Slam final for her came oh so close. It was such a great adjustment for her second set. And she kept fighting in that third, down 15 43 5 in the third set, holds in that game. And, you know, you felt, oh, is she going to get that break? And Krejcikova just was so steady, closed the door herself. But Pavlochenkova earned her spot in that final, earned her spot in her first Grand Slam final, and is a fantastic storyline from this 2021 Roland Garros. Let's have some fun with a topic here, recapping our 2021 French Open women's singles event, and talk about a long-term question for the WTA Tour, one that's on the mind of every tennis fan, Does Serena Williams have a pathway to Grand Slam singles title number 24? Now, of course, the event it's always most likely to happen at is Wimbledon. The skills she does better than anyone else in women's tennis history serve uh, is most uh, amplified on the Wimbledon grass courts. And, of course, as good as some of these young players are, Kenin, Andrescu, Osaka, Shiantek, Sabalenka... We haven't seen them prove it on the grass courts of Wimbledon yet. Certainly, there was no 2020 Wimbledon 2019. We saw her reach the final before getting tripped up. Uh, and, of course, you throw in players like a Halep and, you know, like an Ashley Barty in the mix. Alina Svitolina's made a semifinal before. Garbine Muguruza's won the event before. There's a lot of talent, of course, in all of these WTA events. And the question is, who is healthy going in? And that's a question for all of these players, but... The question for Serena Williams in terms of that pathway forward, are there just too many obstacles she'll have to hurdle week, you know, in the course of seven victories to win Grand Slam title number 24? Now, again, doubt Serena Williams at your own peril. You look at the tennis abstract leaderboard by hold percentage. She's still a top five server in the women's game. Again, grass going to amplify that skill. And certainly when you look at her service numbers, minus that loss to Rabakina, where let's be honest, Rabakina hit through her, which is not something you could say about Serena Williams often uh, earlier in her career. Uh, you know, she was able to serve and execute, win 80% of her first serve points and execute that at an elite rate. And if she does that in a grass court match, she's going to have a chance to win any of them. And of course, the later she's around in Wimbledon, the more the power of Serena Williams becomes valuable and implemented, I suppose, or uh, felt. And, you know, that makes it a completely new ball game. Now, at the same time, 
like you look at the ball striking ability of an Andrescu, of a Sviantek, of a Kennan, of you know an Ashley Barty on these grass courts. We saw Halep already win the damn thing. Uh, Angelique Kerber, if she's playing good tennis, Petra Kvitova, if she's healthy as well. There are just so many players in the mix now, and let's be honest, the ceiling of Serena Williams is not as high as it once was because she goes for big cuts on the return. You know, she's not trying to play these 10, 15, 20 ball rallies anymore to her credit because why would she at this point of her career? She's also got the ball striking ability as a returner to get the one break, then hold serve the rest of the way. And again, on a grass court, it's really hard to doubt her. But if she doesn't win this Wimbledon, and there's a young player who perhaps gets confidence this year on the surface and moving forward is your favorite on these grass court events, she's not the favorite at the French Open moving forward because of how good Sviantec looks in a healthy Barty or a healthy Halep in the mix at those two events. And then on the hard courts, Osaka's your favorite moving forward. She's established herself at the U.S. Open, Australian Open. She proved she is the player to beat at those two events. And that's the first time in two generations, so uh, two decades, I should say, that Serena Williams hasn't been the unequivocal favorite. I think she still is the favorite at Wimbledon, but I think that's the last slam where she's the favorite, and that's not a new thought, but I think that thought has been crystallizing and made clear over the course of these past, I suppose, four majors, um, and it, that is a notable thing, and it's interesting still because, again, the sample size on these gra- in-grass court matches for these young players are so small But it's an interesting thought process. If one of them catches fire, it's clear grass is going to be their surface moving forward. What is the pathway to Serena Williams to title number 24 moving forward? It's narrow. We'll say that much. And that is not something, again, we have ever said about the 23-time, uh, hoping to be 24-time single slam champion. Now, again, only a fool doubts Serena Williams. That's unequivocally one of the takeaways from the 2021 French Open. 